Have you tried out Book Riot Insiders? We've been telling you about it. If not, your time is now. It's our resource, specially designed for our fellow book nerds. You know who you are, and you can try it out for free for two weeks. There are different levels available, so you can decide which perks you want from a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter to exclusive podcasts and giveaways. And speaking of perks, we've got a new release index curated by resident Velocity reader Liberty Hardy, so you can see the most exciting new books coming in the next few months. Check it out and sign up for your 14-day free trial by visiting insiders.bookriot.com. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Kidlet These Days, a Book Riot podcast. Kidlet These Days is your Kidlet connoisseurs, pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Karina Yan Glazer, alongside Matthew Winner, and we are here to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's books to engage in the world through literature in a deeper and broader way. We are recording on August 15th, 2019. Hello, Matthew. Hey, Karina. Hello. It's so great to hear from you. Yes, and... Happy first day of school to you. I was going to say, do you know why it's great? Because even though it's just been two weeks, suddenly school has started for me. Yes, that seemed to go by really fast. I have to say, the summer went by really fast. But I'm so happy for you and all the teachers I've been seeing on Twitter and Instagram who are starting their first days. It's been really cool to see how excited people are and to see classrooms getting started out and stories about the first day. So very awesome. Oh, yeah. I want to tell you about my new school. But first, um, I don't know if you've been on iTunes recently, on Apple Podcasts, but we got a couple new reviews. And oh, they're yeah? so sweet. And thank you, listeners, for leaving us stars and leaving us reviews. We read every one of them, and we love it. I'm going to share a couple. Um, and <laughs> they just make me smile. Um, the first one from uh, Want to Be Martha. <laughs> and I... I don't want to be Martha, but that is the screen name. Um, I love the way that comes out. It says, um, the, the title is Love This. And the lines go, I love this podcast. I'm new, but it's my favorite. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. The second one um, I thought was really sweet. Um, first, because it's a Doctor Who reference. It says it's from the TARDIS library. Totally. And the uh, subject is a must-listen for library staff working with children. This um, description is so sweet. It says, as a children's library associate at a public library, this podcast has helped me find some incredible new pieces to read for myself and to recommend to some of our young patrons. The diversity in the book shared by Karina and Matthew is something that is very much needed in our community. And I have been making note of the books that we have in our collection as well as those we don't have so I can make sure we order them. As a future children's librarian, I appreciate the passion that is shared within the podcast, and every time I listen to a new episode, I learn something that I didn't know before. I cannot help recommending this podcast to my coworkers in the children's department. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you, TARDIS Library. We love that you are listening. We love that so many of you are saying that you um, make much longer book lists to take to the library after listening to us. That's Yes, that's like the biggest compliment. Yeah, we love that you're listening, that you're trusting our taste, but also that you're getting out there and reading new books. That's fantastic. So, so nice. So I, there, there's so many more I could share. I think that we should save some for the weeks to come. And listen, listeners, um, you can always uh, tweet at Karina or at me. We're both on Twitter. Easy to find. You can email us at kidlitthesedays at bookriot.com, or you can go on to Apple um, podcast and leave us stars or a review or any other podcast provider. We would love to hear what you think of the show. Yes. And today um, we're going to be talking about back to school. But before we do that, let me tell you a little bit about our second sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Astronauts Mission One, the plant planet by John Sheska and illustrated by Steven Weinberg and published by Chronicle Books. 
In this book, the earth is in serious trouble. Humans have finally gone too far and wrecked her climate with too much carbon. Fortunately, NNASA, which stands for Not NASA, has prepared a special program of four superpowered animal astronauts. Their mission? To find a perfect Goldilocks planet for humans to escape to. Too bad they are a bit glitchy, and more astronauts than astronauts. Written by children's literature legend John Sheska and illustrated by Steven Weinberg and passionately narrated by Earth, Astronauts Mission 1, The Plant Planet, is scientifically true yet hilarious. It's also book one in a three-book graphic novel series about climate change. Ooh, All right, Matthew, yeah. I need to hear about you and your first day <laughs> at school. So you have heard this before. I'm not sure how much I've shared with people listening, but I have worked in the public school system for 14 years, uh, first as a classroom teacher for two years, and then the rest as a library media specialist. And that life has been great, but I was looking for a change. So actually starting today, we had the first day of new teacher orientation at McDonough School, which is in Owings Mills, Maryland. It's an independent school, and I am the lower school librarian, which means I get to see pre-K to four and, um, you know, today was mostly all about <laughs> getting acclimated to the new environment, <laughs> not unlike mm-hmm. astronauts going to a new planet. Yes. Um, it was it was a lot about finding footing and getting to meet one another and learn about how their uh, data management systems work. But um, I'm wildly excited about teaching new students, being in a new environment, being in a Um, An environment that I know is really going to help cultivate my professional growth and is going to inspire me working around these new uh, teachers, these new uh, children learning focuses. There's just every everything is it feels like it should be the same, but it's not the same. It's new. I I keep trying to (laughs) make one equal the other and they just don't come out through the equation the same way. But I think being uncomfortable that way, being unsure of what's going on uh, is is making me, you know, have all senses alert and uh, is really (laughs) exhausting, but super, super exciting. Yeah. And I know, um, you know, whenever a new school year starts for my kids, there's always a little bit of anxiety and it's been interesting to sort of... Um, see on Twitter and social media about teachers starting their first day of school as well and sort of hearing of that similar anxiety or apprehension but also excitement and um, I don't know it's been really cool to sort of you know see all this happening it's the fall there's that feeling of anticipation and I'm really excited to see what happens for you Matthew this school year and and what happens in your library and the stories you have so congratulations on this job thank you thank you Karina (laughs) it's it's I got a lot of really nice cheering on um text messages and messages on social media from friends and it it feels neat to know that that I'm stepping out into this new venture, but there's all these other people. They're just like, you got this. <laughs> it's very sweet. I, I would love to actually hear from our listeners because I know a lot of them are teachers. Um, so listeners, if you want to hit us up on social media, again, you could tweet either of us, but you could just use the hashtag KidLit these days. A number of people have been using that hashtag KidLit these days. So it's really easy for us to find and hear all about your plans for this school year and your first days of school. So our special guests today um, have a a wonderful picture book that is very much school related. Uh, They are Baptiste Paul and Miranda Paul, and their picture book that came out last year um, from Little Bee Books is called Adventures to School, Real Life Journeys of Students from Around the World. It's illustrated by Isabel Munoz, and it's this beautiful, beautiful collection of uh, narratives of children going to school all around the world. This was done with a lot of research that Miranda and Baptiste will share in this interview. I cannot wait for you to hear how they literally stepped into inside of their research. Uh, And I love what they say about the importance of school and the value of school around the world. So please enjoy my chat with Miranda and Baptiste. Hi, I'm Miranda Paul. 
Um, <laughs> my pronouns are she and her. I'm the author of 14 books for children, all picture books, including my two newest, Little Library's Big Heroes, which is illustrated by John Para, and Thank You, Poems of Gratitude, which is a collection of poems from 33 different children's authors that I edited and illustrated by Marlena Miles. Hi, everyone. My name is Baptist Paul, and I just go straight up by Baptist Paul or Baptiste, and I am the author of The Field, Adventures to School, and I am Fama. Wonderful. Thank you both for being here. We are talking on Kidlet these days about school, about school memories, about the joy of returning to school, and in particular, in relation to the book that uh, we are all talking about today, we're talking about how individuals get to school. So in this wonderful book you have, Adventures to School, Real-Life Journeys of Students from Around the World, you introduce through first-person narrative several school travel stories from around the world. Uh, each is unique in the mode of transportation, the terrain or the distance that has to be covered, or the length of stay before returning home. I'd love to know what the inspiration was behind writing this book. Well, Adventures to School isn't your ordinary book, so it kind of had an out-of-the-ordinary path. Um, our agent and editor actually came to us with an article about exceptional, unusual, and even dangerous journeys that kids around the world make just to get to school. Um, and Baptiste immediately recalled some memories of going oh, yeah, to school. Yeah, going to school. And I walked to school barefoot with rubber shoes that burned my feet as I travel up the country mountain project. We also wondered when we... Um, when we were looking at the article, uh, reading the captions, we wondered if some of those captions were exaggerated. Were these sources traceable? Were these photos being shared around the internet even current? Because sometimes we know things on the internet go very stale very quickly. Um, so any researcher knows how to be skeptical of clickbait on the internet. And context, including the date the photo was taken, is everything. So we discovered that some of the stories were outdated, but we were able to track down several real children and their extraordinary stories. And so we reached out to our global network and found even more stories. And then we couldn't not tell these incredible stories of what children around the world, the adventures they were having just in the morning before getting to school. I would imagine with so many stories from around the world, you... you had a challenging time narrowing down which ones to choose. I was impressed with how what great diversity in in the way everyone got to school that you all displayed. How did you how did you narrow down what to include? <laughs> Well, we actually researched uh, 21 different kids and areas. So we had kind of 21 stories when we started, but we knew that only 10 to 15 would fit inside the final book, um, you know, that the publisher wanted to put together. Um, we had a fairly tight deadline, so... <laughs> Very tight deadline, actually. And uh, we reserved an entire room in our home just for research on this book. <laughs> From ceiling to floor... Names of countries, everything was attached with all the information we could find. Yeah, we, we printed articles, emails, text messages, interviews, photos. We taped up transcripts from interviews all over our wall so we could kind of see the stories and we could kind of make sure that we were, um, that the stories weren't too similar or that we were including sort of people from rural areas as well as uh, kids from urban areas. Um, you know, different countries to sort of look at the book as a whole picture. We literally laid this book out on the four walls of an extra room we had in our home. And then the challenge began with us trying to find sources and people in those countries to help us out. So like Miranda said, we reached out to our global network of people, friends, college friends all over the world who helped us out. Yeah, I think we ended up having more than 30 people in 14 countries helping us with those translation, taking photos, videos, other kinds of uh, connections on the ground. That's so impressive. I was going to say, you have a really robust bibliography at the end, and it just says select bibliography, which tells yes. me there was much, much more. But for me, to picture a room devoted to research to this book is just a really really neat thing. It makes me, if we bring it back to school, it makes me think about what it looks like 
when I uh, have been a classroom teacher or as I am a librarian and we're doing research and just pinning up our work all over to show everyone what we're working on, what we're researching. Sometimes in uh, in my case in school, who we're Skyping with or where we're connecting, to know that you in your research also did that, you sort of made an environment where you could live in your research, walk into your research is, is a really, really uh, interesting and, and thought-provoking uh, image for me. You know, for us, I think doing that like you said, brought everything to life. And we couldn't have done it any other way, though, because you needed to, like, physically see the countries on the wall and some of those experiences, those kids, because you didn't want to leave certain cultures out or certain kids out. Because for me and for Miranda, every journey matters, no matter where you are, how you get to school. We wanted to be an equal representation in terms of diversity, climate, just just a lot of those things we wanted to put in there. So I would love to know how each of you got to school when you were kids. Miranda, how did you get to school? <laughs> so I rode a big yellow bus. Yes, and I didn't, classic. I didn't live very far from my school, but I was, you know, like the first picked up and the last dropped off. So <laughs> like an hour pretty much each way. Um, so the school I went to is pretty rural. And a lot of the kids I went to school with were uh, lived on farms or out in the country. So it did take a while to sort of drive around and pick everybody up. Um, but I, I grew up in Wisconsin and the winters are brutal. And so there are many times where our bus got stuck in a ditch or slid on the ice, our driver backed into a high voltage pole twice. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've had all kinds of stories of riding um, riding the bus. But, you know, overall, most of them are, are fun memories. Um, you know, only one time do I remember a kid throwing my cassette tape out the window and being really sad about that. <laughs> oh, no, how dare they? But when um, you... <laughs> you know, bullies on the bus, it was kind of a thing of my time, unfortunately. You know, I don't know whose idea it is to put like 75 kids on a bus with no supervision. <laughs> with no supervision. There is a camera. They always warn us that there's a camera. But I'm also very grateful and recognize that there was a lot of privilege and that there was a bus that came at the same time, more or less, every day to bring me to school. Um, cause that was, I mean, it was just a wonderful thing and I, and I loved school. So I love hearing that, <laughs> that your bus driver had numerous incidents in the snowy weather. <laughs> he was pretty old. His name was Pops. Hi Pops. If you're out there listening, I don't know. He was, it was a long time ago. So I, I don't know if Pops is still with us, but. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So Baptiste, how did you get to school? Wait, so Miranda, you were in Wisconsin, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Baptiste, I should ask, where did you grow up and how did you get to school? Okay, I grew up on the island of St. Lucia in the Caribbean, and my tiny little village is called Grace. All right, let me give you a little visual if you want to play along with me on a vis- for, for visual right now. Think about, have you ever walked on blacktop, freshly poured blacktop roads, and the sun is baking this thing and you can see the tab melt? Without um, barefoot. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, ouch. Only very, very quickly did I ever walk on freshly paved blacktop. I remember running and then sitting in the grass to, like, cool off my feet. All right. Then that's part of my journey because every year my parents only had in the budget for one pair of shoes for us. And it was a black rubber shoes. And when the sun hits this thing, it burns right through your feet. So, and if it gets busted along the way, you got to figure out how to um, keep it together to get to school. If you can't salvage it, guess what? You got to walk to school barefoot. And I did a lot of that because my shoes were used for playing soccer or football and doing all kinds of craziness. But that's what we did. I had to walk on the blacktop roads, up the mountain roads with without shoes. Sometimes it used to get so hot walking roads that had to walk in the ditch in order to get to school. I think even more interesting, though, is your story about getting to the library, because there was only one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of forgot about that one, but thanks, Miranda. Yeah, tell tell me. Yeah, my, on the southern side of the island, there's one library. And for me to get to the library, I had to walk down the mountain roads, I had to cross a river, and I had to scale 
the active airport runway fence. I had to jump over that fence twice to the library and twice back. So I'm talking about an active runway. In order to get to the library, to get my books and back home, I had to do that. How long was that? It took me a probably journey of 12 miles in order to get books to read. Wow. But what I hear, though, in both of your stories is that you did it. You did go do those things. That, Baptiste, your, your travel, it sounds that you really, the way you share it, sounds like you really went through quite a hardship to, to be wearing through your shoes and to know that this was your reality, that these shoes wouldn't be replaced, um, that, that the sun would be baking the road throughout the entire year being in the Caribbean. Um, but also that you not only went to school, but you also made the choice to go to the library as well. So I think I want to lead into this question and just ask what made you want to go to school as a child? Maybe Baptiste, I'll just start with you since we were just sharing. You know, I've talked about this previously, and for me, it was the only way. And my mom is illiterate. She couldn't read or write, but she instilled in us the value of a great education. And that's what was the driving force for me, because we were taught that it's the only way you can get out of poverty is through education. And I knew that because I saw everyone around me doing the same things day in and day out. And no one is really advancing. And that was my only ticket for a better life for me and my kids. It was a way. So I had to, I had to actually, you know, do well in school. And, you know, like when you live on an island, you are so confined to just a few things. And books, this was the ultimate adventure where you can travel this entire world, see things, do things, without even <laughs> leaving the place. And that's why I love it so much. Baptiste, just to be clear, no, I don't know what it's like to live on an island. <laughs> but I thank you for sharing. And when, when we had our interview on the Children's Book Podcast about the field, it was, a, it was that same thing that you... Uh, I, I feel grateful that, that you are blessed with being able to communicate those experiences you had growing up into into stories for children. And also that you and Miranda were able to share in the voice of children that, that go to school or that are making their way to school, um, you were able to share all of these different ways to go. Um, there's There's something there about the inherent value of school that I see throughout all of these stories and adventures to school. But first I wanted to ask you, Miranda, what made you want to go to school as a child? Uh, well, we had to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the truth is I, I really liked school. And um, my parents, when they became parents, they were actually very young. They were teenage parents and they were in high school. And so my dad obviously never got the chance to go to college and my mom hadn't either. But when I was in elementary school, um, my mom came into the living room one day and said she wanted to try to go to college. And so my mom would be up late studying and we would be studying. And I kind of learned that, you know, there's there's something to love about education. And I was I was tested um, as gifted two years ahead. And I went to a small school where my teachers could really um differentiate the instruction for me that they always made school stimulating for me, especially in elementary school. I was constantly challenged. I was constantly stimulated. Um, my teachers were wonderful and several of my books are dedicated to some of my elementary school teachers because they really did fill in either gaps of what I wasn't getting at home or um, things that they just really saw lit up my brain and and they they fed that and i'm so grateful for all of my teachers so thank you miss harrison slash miss miss detman thank you uh mrs Anderson. <laughs> you know Ms. mrs crowded mrs betke i mean thank you all of you i have a very similar experience to you in that so i walked to school i grew up in central pennsylvania and we walked to school and it was a couple blocks i think you know, we've even, my wife and I have, have driven back to Williamsport, Pennsylvania and, and taken that path to school. And so I think I'm confident saying when I was in kindergarten and first grade, I was still walking like quite a bit, but I stayed walking to the, that was a, a 
kindergarten to grade three, and then we fed into a four or five, and then to a middle and a high school. Um, but it was not only that I had to go to school, but also that there were people there that made me feel welcome. My principal at my um, elementary school, Miranda, shared a birthday with me, and I was the only one in the school with the same birthday that he had. So he would invite me in to share cupcakes. Come on. I remember that. And then weirdly, I remember him that when we went to, he ended up being the same principal in my, I think it's in my middle school, uh, or no, rather the speech pathologist that worked with me in the elementary school ended up being the same, ended up being my principal in the um, middle school. And he um, one time borrowed my inline skates, my rollerblades. <laughs> I have like these weird, bizarre memories of, of, of school, but I, I remember that there was someone there waiting for me or that it felt like they were looking forward to me coming mm -hmm. to school that day. And that to know that each of us uh, and each of the children in your story have that feeling of um, I'm traveling on this boat from midnight to get to this school and we're bringing these gifts to give to my host family um, it, it, to see the way that education is centered and the people that are helping you get that education are centered and are valued is something that uh, I think really strikes a chord in me. And I'd be willing to bet strikes a chord in many, many of the people listening to this interview. I would hope so. I would, yeah, I would hope so. And the other thing I want to add is the resilience and in those kids and you know, the determination of not just the kids themselves, but of the parents as well. And some of the stories in the book, it was really tough to write some of those stories, but we, we had to show it. And I recall that um, the story from the Ukraine was one of the hardest ones for me the to write. The war-torn. Mm. The war-torn country. Yeah, this was just tough for me, really tough for me, because... You know, I had to put, like, all my emotions aside and completely be objective. And refusing to, like, place blame on who is or who was responsible for that conflict. And, for, and, and understanding the conflict is one thing, but trying to process children going to school under those circumstances is tough to comprehend. Even though I walked to school barefoot, but those kids... You know, those shelling at night and those kids still have to wake up in the morning and go to school in a basement, walking over broken glass, bus windows, woods, debris everywhere. It's just really tough to comprehend. I think all of that said, the determination, the resilience, some of the situations which are you know tougher than others brings me to a very a uh, clear point that we made when we started writing this book is that we didn't want it to be a book that exploits hardship or poverty or some sort of dangerous situation. And we definitely don't want it to be the book where teachers pick it up and hold it up to their kids and see, say, see, you're so lucky, be so grateful for what you have. That is not the type of book we were writing here. You'll notice that a lot of the kids' books are filled with joy. They can't wait to go to school. Um, they're happy. And that's because this isn't a book that we want people to look and then feel good about themselves. We want people to read this, recognize that there are differences, but that there's also so much similarity despite very different circumstances that kids around the world go to school. They want to go to school. And they they have, going to school. They yes. have dreams. They want to learn. And that if there is a situation that um, seems maybe shocking to you or different to you, that maybe this book can be a jumping off point for learning more about why those conditions are that way and what we can do about it versus, well, I feel really good about myself. I'm going to put that away and say thank you for my life. That's, that's not really what the point of this book is. And so we really hope that teachers who pick up Adventures to School will – not necessarily turn it into a see how good you have it kind of message, but into a let's see what we've got in common with these kids all over the world and let's see how we can connect even more deeply with them. Yes. You know, and on, yes. the, and on the flip side of that, too, it just brings those kids a little closer to cultures around the world that they weren't exposed to. 
And we believe that this is the magic of learning. When you can relate to different experiences or when you can tap into another culture by just reading a few pages in a book and you want to learn more and more and you run to the library or you ask a teacher to provide you with more information. This is the magic. This is where the magic begins. And with Adventures to School, it will not answer every single question about every single country that we wrote about. And it was done in a way that because we want those kids to find out, find out for themselves the rest of the information. And that's, like I said, it's magical when this happens. I think that Little B was so smart to approach you both because I can just hear so vividly where your heart is for education, for these students, for the students that will be reading this book, for their curiosities and for um, them seeing the, the value and the wonder and and the pride in going to school and getting an education. I also didn't want to let uh, you go without bringing some praise and attention to Isabel Munoz for doing such beautiful illustrations. She has um, time after time shown um, these wonderful angles uh, where she sets the camera, these really wonderful angles in the illustrations to show, uh, to center these students going to school, but really to show their journey. I love in particular the, the image from the Sichuan province in China where they're um, ascending the, uh, the Great Wall, um, making that, that trip. Uh, over those ladders, the uh, what does it say? We climb all the way down the heaven ladder. I thought that was beautiful. Yes. Yeah. So thank you both for joining me. If I could leave us just on this, um, I want to end by reading the beginning of your book. Would that be okay if I read to you? Sure. Wonderful. It starts as every school year starts. It says, each day, children around the world face interesting journeys they have different ways of reaching their destinations, but they're all headed to the same place. Miranda, Baptiste, thank you for heading to that place with us today. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you so very much. Houston, we have a brand new book from John Shuska. <laughs> okay, I, I can't possibly keep that voice up the entire time. That's awesome. This episode is brought to you by Astronauts Mission One, The Plant Planet by John Shuska, illustrated by Steven Weinberg and published by Chronicle Books. The characters, Alpha Wolf, Smart Hawk, Laser Shark, and Stink Bug, travel to space to find a new planet for humans to live on, and I guess animals to live on. Once Earth is completely ruined. The story is hilarious and fun, but all of the science incorporated throughout is true. There are full-color illustrations throughout, and illustrator Steven Weinberg sourced art from the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam to create all of the book's imagery. This is a great book for reluctant readers, and Dave Pilkey, of Captain Underpants fame, says, Astronauts doesn't just break new ground, it breaks outer space! Brilliant! <laughs> this book is on sale September 10th and available now for pre-order. Thank you, Chronicle, for sponsoring KidLit these days. So now comes that wonderful time when Karina and I share all the books. But first, I wanted to point out, well, I, I will say that uh, in addition to all of these other great book recommendations that, as we say, you can find on bookriot.com slash listen and click on Kidlet these days, you'll find our episode. But specifically, I want you to go back there, too, to look for episode four, Hooray for Teachers, in which we share a whole lot of books about teachers. And episode six, Save School Libraries, in which we share a whole lot of books about libraries and schools and, and feeling like you have a place in school. Today, our focus is on school itself. And my goodness, Karina, if you didn't name every single book that first came to my mind, it was awesome. So I'm going to let you jump in first. All right. So I love this book. Um, it's a picture book. It's called School's First Day of School by Adam Rex. Pictures by Christian Robinson. And this is a really vibrant, fun, and funny picture book about a new school that gets built over the summer. And the school is sort of anxiously awaiting to see what comes. It's called Frederick Douglass Elementary. And um, the school doesn't really know what to expect. And the janitor... Um, comes in to clean and wash and and 
Jenner says, soon the teachers will come, and then you'll be filled with children. And the school is sort of a little nervous and asks some more questions. And then the first day of school comes. And the kids come in. They're all a mix of different emotions. And the school's filled with all sorts of emotions. And I love this book. And I think it's a great book to read on the first day of school because I'm sure so many students will be feeling this mix of emotions. And it's sort of fun because it sort of turns the perspective upside down by giving it from the perspective of the school. And the school is like very endearing and sweet and it's just a really great book and I think um, students will relate to it. I think speaking of mixed up emotions, the next I want to share is a picture book that I have incorporated as a tradition in my library program because every September 15th-ish we celebrate International Dot Day, which is uh, all inspired and, and grows from this picture book called The Dot by Peter H. Reynolds, which is a book about a girl, Vashti, who uh, is in art class but just is staring at a white sheet of paper, cannot think of what to put down. And the teacher says, just make a mark and see where it takes you. And for those that have read the book, you'll know the magic of this story. Uh, for those that have not, or for those that have never celebrated International Dot Day, this is a chance for all of us to make a mark and see where it takes us. It's a chance for children to see how we're all connected. We're all a little bit different and a little bit the same. And it's a really wonderful way for uh, teachers to help children find their place and find how they belong in our classroom and in our school. So uh, I absolutely love using the dot and, and connecting over Skype with classes over this really great book. And also I should link it in the show notes Emily Arrow wrote a really wonderful, charming song about the dot that is always in my head, and I'm holding my tongue not to sing it to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love the dot. I think it's such a fantastic book, and it and the artwork that comes out of it from students and readers is just fabulous. Okay, so my next pick is Goodbye Friend, Hello Friend by Corey Dorfeld. She is the writer and illustrator of The Rabbit Listened. And this book is super sweet. It starts on the first day of school. So um, a little girl is getting ready to go outside and then there's sort of like a tearful goodbye with her mom and then um, there's a school bus and it starts and it says, every goodbye leads to a hello. And so you see the girl going into a classroom, saying hello to someone else, and then just this friendship forming. And very quickly the book goes through the different seasons that come, the different, the sort of deeper relationship that the children have with each other, and then some other goodbyes and some other hellos. And this is such a lovely book, I think, that um, speaks to the different emotions of kids and also of things that we have to say goodbye to and things that make us sad and also the new things that come out every day that we get to say hello to that might make us happy. And so um, I think this book really treasures and honors children's emotions and all those things that um, come about in life that are hard but also wonderful. Yeah, I love its relationship to the hello and the goodbye always. They're always paired. It really yes. uh, creates, mm -hmm. I think, a lot of a lot of safety in that. Um, one book that I wanted to make sure we mentioned that we haven't mentioned on other episodes before is School People, um, which is a, a book of poems selected by uh, the late Lee Bennett Hopkins and illustrated by Ellen Shee. Uh, we very recently lost Lee Bennett Hopkins, and he um, his name is on many, many poem collections and, and poetry books in libraries. Um, this book in particular are poems about people in school, including students and principals and librarians and janitors and every person that comes and goes from schools. They're very, very short poems to share, and they all um, save a place for everyone and an importance for everyone in the school. Uh, and I think that um, it's a really wonderful jumping off point uh, for the great work that Lee Bennett Hopkins did for children's literature. Great. And my next pick is another picture book, Alma and How She Got Her Name by Juana Martinez-Neal. This is a fantastic book um, about 
this young child, Alma, Sofia, Esperanza, Jose, Pira, Candela, who has a very long name, and then it goes through sort of the meanings behind each of those names and the history behind it. And I think this is such a lovely book to read in the beginning of school because it talks about a specific culture, but it also shares about how special names are and sort of the background behind them. We all have a story to how we got our names. And I think, you know, as we're introducing ourselves for the first time, it could be something special to talk about and to link to this book and how individual and special each of our names are and how there's meaning behind it. That was one of my absolute favorite books from last year. And it's one that I come back to still over and over. What a beautiful book. I love it. It's just the illustrations are just amazing. So adorable and touching. I want to share a a lesser known book that I think has a very similar tone to Alma. It's called Nimoshom and His Bus by Penny M. Thomas. It's illustrated by Karen Hibbard. Um, This book is written in both English and in Cree, or it incorporates Cree words. And um, uh, Penny is uh, um, an indigenous author. And um, this is a story of the man that drives the bus to and from school. And it's told from the perspective of a child who rides the bus and how um, this man would always speak to them using these words, these Cree phrases and what it meant. It's such a sweet story and it's such a great um, way to honor those people from our memory and how they play a role in our lives, whether uh, we know how significant of the role is at the time, um, we can reflect back and know how important it was. I'm going to read to you just the first two pages. I think that uh, is a really great way to sum up the story. Uh, It starts, Nimoshom drove a school bus. Sometimes he spoke in Cree. Nimoshom means my grandfather in Cree. In the morning, Nimoshom would greet the kids. He would say, Tansi. Tansi means hello. Sometimes on good days, Nimushim would say, Mino Kisika. That means it is a good day. And if it was a stormy day, he would tell the kids, Machi Kisika. Machi Kisika means it is a bad day. I love there how the language is just worked in so beautifully um, in the way that a child is recounting the story. But also, as we do, recounting those words that you remember because that person and that experience was so important in your life and in your upbringing. So that's a, a really wonderful and quiet story to, to find in your library. Great. And then my next pick is another picture book. It's called The Day You Begin by Jacqueline Woodson, illustrated by Rafael Lopez. And this book is just really lovely. It talks about the first day of school. And um, I'll go ahead and read a few pages of this because it's just, I mean, it's so hard to summarize this book um, or summarize Jacqueline Woodson's writing at all because it's just so poetic and gorgeous. So I'll just read it. There will be times when you walk into a room and no one there is quite like you. Maybe it will be your skin, your clothes, or the curl of your hair. There will be times when no one understands the way words curl from your mouth, the beautiful language of the country you left behind. My name is Rigoberto. We just moved here from Venezuela. And because they don't understand, the classroom will fill with laughter until the teacher quiets everyone. Rigoberto, from Venezuela, your teacher says so soft and beautifully that your name and homeland sound like flowers blooming the first bright notes of a song. So this book goes on and talks about sort of those times where you feel different or you feel like um, everyone's talking about what they did over the summer and they've gone on all these adventures and traveled and maybe you stayed at home taking care of your sister instead of going away and having these adventures. But that doesn't mean that your story isn't important as well. So I love this book and I love the message that it carries and I think it's a perfect um, book to read in the beginning of school. I love that book. 
And I love language in that book. And that actually brings me really wonderfully to this next book because of language as well. Uh, the last picture book I want to share is called The King of Kindergarten. And it's by Derek Barnes and illustrated by Vanessa Brantley Newton. And I think our listeners will know Derek Barnes because of his debut picture book, which was called Crown, an Ode to the Fresh Cut, which is a book about a boy in a barber shop. This uh, book is similarly narrated. It's about a child going to kindergarten, starting school for the first time, and this African-American boy is sent off by his parents, um, treated like royalty, riding on a carriage. There's all these wonderful metaphors and wonderful language um, that that plays at that that royalty, that you belong here, that you are treasured here, you have a space here, and you have a, a voice and ownership of this place. And um, there's just something so commanding about walking into kindergarten your first day and um, and having that presence is beautiful. And I think that Derek, um, in that way, really shows us the way that, that not only do children anticipate all the great things that are in kindergarten, but we remember that that child is walking in with a whole lot too. And uh, it just it just makes me smile so much. Vanessa Brantley Newton's art is colorful and is full of joy. And I just I, I'm open to a middle random middle page where they're all sitting around getting ready for snack. And I just <laughs> I can't even look at it without grinning ear to ear. <laughs> so um, I hope that everyone is reading this book <laughs> to their kindergartners because it's just the best. So I'm going to turn to you, though, for middle grade, because all the middle grade I could think of, we've shared on previous episodes. So I'm so glad you were able to come up with some new ones. And they're ones that I haven't read yet. So could you please share these middle grade with us? Yeah, sure. Okay, so our first one is actually, um, it's sort of like a chapter book. Um, it can be read in middle grade as well. It's very heavily illustrated. So if you're looking for books that have illustrations. There are illustrations on every page, and they're gorgeous. Um, So this book is called Beatrice Zinker, Upside Down Thinker by Shelley Johans. And she um, was a former, in her former career life, she was an architect. And you can really see that in her illustrations. She has really amazing illustrations that really are vibrant, and there's a lot of energy in the characters. And this story um, begins sort of at the end of a school year, where uh, Beatrice Zinker is sort of like an unusual person she loves to be upside down she does her best thinking upside down and um you're sort of seeing her at graduation and hanging out with her best friend and um sort of her and her best friend are talking about their plans for the next year and um beatrice and her friend Lenny are talking about, okay, we're going to do something very epic next year, and when we come to school for the first day, we're going to dress all in black. And Lenny is going to be away all summer, so they sort of have these plans, and Beatrice thinks about them all summer, and then all of a sudden the first day of school begins, and she's all dressed up. She's got her ninja costume already, and she gets to school, and Lenny is different. She had some experiences over summer and she has a new neighbor that she's hanging out with and she looks at Beatrice really strangely on that first day and she can't believe Beatrice is wearing what she's wearing and it's just very confusing for Beatrice and I feel like this is something that is pretty common that happens among kids this age where um, maybe over the summer um, things happen and and you know, you go to the first day of school, you're anticipating one thing, and then something else happens, and it just sort of throws you off. So I think it's a really great book, um, especially for, um, I would say, second and third graders. Um, two more middle grade books I thought um, go really nicely with this theme of back to school. One of them is called For Black Girls Like Me by Mariama J. Lockington. And this is a new book. It just came out um, in the last months I think and it's a girl um, she's African-American she's 11 she's adopted and her parents and her big sister are white and they are just moving um, from Maryland and they're going to New Mexico where her father has gotten a new job um, as a principal cellist as a, 
as a part of the orchestra in New Mexico. And she is feeling... Um, so the main character, her name is Makeda, and she's feeling just really out of place. And then she has to start a new school in addition to already feeling different from her family, um, being black while the rest of her family is white, and then going around school and having to explain why she lives with a white family, and there's just all these questions. And I think this is such a um, great story because it's... You know, she's starting this new school. It's not the beginning of the school year, but it's, you know, when you're stepping into a new place and you're just being stared at and you have to explain yourself, it just can be so hard. And I think this book does a really good job dealing with that as well as just identity and growing up and trying to find where you belong. And then the last middle grade book I'll talk about is The Next Great Polly Fink by Allie Benjamin. And um, this author is the author of The Thing About Jellyfish, which was a National Book Award finalist. And I think this book is really beautifully written. It's a, um, a kid named Caitlin Breen, and she's starting at a new middle school. And the school is in a rural um, in a rural area, and the students there's only ten other students in her grade. She's going into seventh grade, and all these students love to talk about is this kid named Polly Fink. And Caitlin is like, what the heck? Like, why is everyone talking about Polly Fink? And it becomes like this, um, he's this kid that was in their class last, the previous year. So Caitlin has never met him, but like, it's all the kids can talk about. And so they sort of have this idea of this, you know, epic person, larger than life person, and then they start thinking, let's see who's going to be the next Polly Fink. So they have all these competitions and discussions about what would Polly do, and it's just a really interesting story, and it goes through the course of a school year, and it's a great school, you know, story set during the school year. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing those. The ones that keep coming back to my mind, we mentioned on the audiobook podcast or on the school podcast, like the the the, the episode I mean, like the first rule of punk mm-hmm. by Celia Perez, or I think we've, we've talked about uh, Marcus Vega doesn't speak Spanish by Pablo Cartaya before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all these really great books, um, so I'm so glad that you were able to bring a couple new ones too, and that um, folks can have even more books to put on, to put on hold from their libraries. So, yes. Remember, listeners, that all of our show notes for this episode and all of our past episodes can be found at bookriot.com slash listen. We hope that you'll um, continue to use that and add to it by uh, tweeting us, emailing us. We'd love to continue to hear how these uh, book lists can grow. We want to hear what books you're bringing to start the school year off as well. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we would love your feedback on this podcast and always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. When you do that, you also help other people find us. You can find me, Karina Yan Glazer, on Twitter at Karina Yan Glazer and on Instagram at Karina is reading and writing. And you can find me, Matthew Winner, on Twitter at, at Matthew Winner. If you have a story idea, reach out to us on social media or email us at kidlit these days at bookriot.com. We would love to hear what you're thinking about and what you'd like to see and hear next on the show. May your coming days be storied, and may those good stories keep on coming.